This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Um, I'm going to get myself ready by getting that ominous looking thing um, to hold my laptop whilst I do what I'm supposed to do tonight. But before I get going, and I'm going to park really close because I like being here, not there. Um, how's everybody doing this evening? And I'm asking because I'm, guys, can we be interactive tonight? It's, <laughs> that's what happens when you have your besties sitting in church. They're just going to test you now and again. Um, I promise you, if you're interactive, this will be very concise. Because I am one of those people that when I get nervous, I talk more. So literally, it's your job to keep me as calm as possible tonight. All right? Um, David, can I just have my phone there? Um, I'm going to time myself because I do preach the eternal gospel. So yeah, you guys could be in trouble. And I'm going to do my best to read my, somebody says I write prison style notes because they're so tiny. Um, so if you see me kind of dive in, that's what's happening. Um, it's also a moment for me just to catch my breath, um, because no matter how many times I do this, I'm always nervous. Um, you might not be able to tell. Um, I do blush now and again. I, I know, it, you can't see it. You know, um, God's gift to me. Um, let me just get my, there we go. So yes, let's, we're going to talk tonight. All right, so I'm going to ask questions, and it's not the Church of the Chosen Frozen, so you can, if something hits you, you can pull a stank face, you can get up. I'm, I'm from that sort of old school type of church. I'm that old, guys. I know this looks like it could be in like third year, but it's not. Um, it's those amazing genes. God loves this brother that much. Um, but let's interact tonight, because um, we're going to be talking about something that I really love, which is joy. Um, and it's been something that's been cooking inside of me for quite a while. Um, so that's why I have to time myself. Otherwise, we will be here until tomorrow morning. Um, I won't tell you how much. Actually, I'm going to tell you. I've given myself 30 minutes to, to get through this. And I have to do it, like I said. Otherwise, yeah, guys, breakfast, eh? Breakfast. So I'm going to start the clock. Um, but if I had to ask you, what is joy? What is joy? If I had to say, most of you are students, um, I was a student, I'm now a student of life, but if I had to ask you, for instance, what is joy? And I'm gonna pick on some people that I know. If I don't know you, you are safe tonight. Because you're not gonna like, like get asked something, but Rico, if I had to say to you, <laughs> Rico, what is joy? You're gonna have to like project. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Rico gave us his small group answer. Um, he was like complete happiness. Anybody care to one one up him, or is that are we going with Rico's complete joy, a uh, complete happiness? Okay, cool. So I 
I haven't mentioned a couple of times whenever I preach that I geek out. Um, you guys are safe because like, I found out like, within a very relatively short space of time, which is enough to prepare, but I couldn't like, full-on geek out for this sermon because I like to research. I like to get really into stuff. And so I went and looked up what joy means, right? Um, and according to the Merriam-Webster um, dictionary, um, in the following slide, it says it's an emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. And then I underlined prospect because I'm that guy. I'm like, ooh, what does prospect mean, right? Um, and it says the act of looking forward, anticipation. And the next one says a state of happiness or felicity. So there you go, Rico. Um, and it says a source or cause of delight. And that part source, it says one that initiates. Hold on to that explanation, one that initiates. It's going to come in handy um, as the sermon progresses. Um, but I wanted to almost make like a bold statement before I give the talk. Um, and I call it a talk just to calm my nerves, because when I say preaching, it's just like, whoa. Um, and I want to make a bold statement in that I want to almost define the difference as I see it between happiness and joy, right? So here goes. It's the difference between happiness and joy is that happiness relies on my perspective on things. It's all on me. It's all about me. The futility, I love that word, right? Because I'm a Star Trek person, you know, resistance is futile. Um, the futility of happiness when measured up against joy is this. Happiness, as I said, depends on me. If I'm defeated or down, happiness cannot save me. Because since I'm its source, its initiator, it is defeated in that moment. So it's null and void, it cannot work. Joy, on the other hand, has the power to liberate for it comes from the Lord. If you've been in church long enough, and even if you haven't been long enough, you're gonna hear this scripture at some point, and all the Christians say it because we speak Christianese so well, the joy of the Lord is my strength, right? The joy of the Lord is our strength. We say that a lot. I wonder if we actually know what we're talking about. Um, it comes from the Lord Christ Jesus, who is greater than all, than me, than life as I know it, especially in times of hardship. Joy points my heart and my head to the one who's above it all. Um, I remember stumbling on this little piece of wisdom when we say Jesus the name above all names. For me, what it means is that if there's anything, whatever it is that I'm facing, if it has a name, that means his name is above it all. It blew my mind. I know, I was geeking out. Like, so I, I did all of the Sunday Bible school stuff, and I was that kid, okay? My mom is a Sunday school teacher, so I had plenty of time to search the word. But it literally hit me that, wait a minute, if it has a name, that means it will bow. It is under him. So that was my bold statement. If you don't like it, feel free to pop me an email or a WhatsApp. Might not get back to you, but I might. <laughs> but since we're speaking about joy, have you ever asked yourself, so where, where do I find it? Like you've seen some people, and they're like, oh, I've got joy in my heart, right? And I'm one of those kids who suffers from FOMO. Like if I don't have something, that's a problem. I'm not okay with like, if she's got joy, and Melissa's like, I've got joy, and I'm like, it's awesome. I'm like, I also want that joy. And have you ever wondered, for instance, where, where do we find it? Where do we find this joy that everybody speaks of? So I went and I researched a couple of guys um, in the Word, and 
David gives us a clue. Um, in Psalm 51, he utters a statement that I've read a couple of times before, right? But I walked right over it. Um, and he says to, in, in Psalm 51 verse 12, he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. So let me attempt to read my prison notes. So that word, restore, I had it underlined because in my head it said, if he is the one who is going to restore it to him, does that suppose that maybe he's the one that then gave it to David? I didn't recognize that gave it and David rhymes. That's so amazing. That's so cool. Um, does it mean that God is the one who instilled it into David? Is God the source? Remembering that source, remember, means initiator. So it means that, is, it, is David then saying that, Lord, you are the initiator of joy, of the joy of my salvation, so therefore only you can give me that joy. Is David saying, or is he of the mind, that there is a joy to be found in salvation? I was going to say this at the end of the talk, but I'm just going to give it in now. I honestly believe that we cannot have joy without salvation. You can feel like you have joy. It's almost like, you know, when somebody says, I'm in love, and you look at them and you're like, no, not really. You're in strong like or extreme like, but you're not in love. Because you can, we all know what love looks like, right? We all know what love looks like. For instance, for me, love always gives. It's impossible to love somebody and not give. If it's all about you, 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 then I'm sorry to break it to you, then you're not in love. And if that's a newsflash for somebody sitting here next to somebody, don't nudge them now. Pray for them throughout the service that they would fall in love. <laughs> I don't want to get emails like, guy, what you said last night, thanks to you, I'm single now. I'm just giving you a hit. You know, if you're the guy that got nudged, just pray and God will give you love and you'll love, right? Um, so if joy can only be found in salvation, um, that means, yeah, joy can only be experienced through salvation, and that salvation can only come through Jesus Christ. Guys, I honestly believe that Jesus Christ is not just the source of joy, but he is joy himself. So does that mean that we have found the source of joy? Now, I am a nerd, like I said, I geek out, so I like to get more I don't just take the, the first thing that I see and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's good enough for me. I like to do a bit of research, right? So I went over to Galatians um, chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. Um, and here we get another source of a possible source or another source of joy. And it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, can you see the magic word there? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. That sounds amazing, but in the version that I read it, it was so much greater because it speaks about how the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit takes control of our lives, he produces that fruit. And that's important. The reason why I wanted that version, you'll see why now now. And I love how I'm actually building suspense. I hope you guys are like falling in. Um, this Galatians 5, it points to the Holy Spirit as the giver, the maker, and the creator of joy in us. And the version that I have, it says, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Let's jump back to Psalm 51. In verse 12, David continues um, in verse 12 to say, and 
make me willing to obey you. Now, remember the version that I had, it said, um, when he takes control, and now David is saying, Lord, make me. By the way, context, David has just sinned, and the prophet Nathan has confronted him, and he's having a moment of repentance. He's like, okay, I messed up, and is now praying, which is a beautiful prayer of repentance, by the way. If you haven't read it, Psalm 51, it is an amazing way just to see a heart that is honest and open before God, because there's a part where he says, only before you have I sinned. Meaning God, anybody else might not be able to see that I've sinned, but because I love you so much, you matter to me more than anybody else. Your opinion, your view of me, your perspective of me, your truth about me matters to me more than anybody else. It is supreme to everybody else's. Everybody else can think I'm a saint, but Lord, you know me. Which also for me, maybe as a side note for somebody, what God thinks of you is literally the final word on your life. You are loved. You are saved. You need to take that. It's not like a nice day. You know, sometimes we're like, oh, I'm saved. No, no, no. Do we recognize, for instance, that when we were singing, nothing but the blood of Jesus, that a king, I'm always reminded, Louis Giga speaks about how when Christ steps onto the earth, try to see through his eyes. Creation was perfect. Everything was in place. It worked the way that it's supposed to work. And then the fall happens and chaos enters the world. Can you imagine him? He's walking in the middle of what he and his father created and he goes, Dad, it's broken. This is not what it's supposed to look like. And we've been praying over the last couple of weeks, um, even last week, a first Monday prayer, just asking God for, for him to show us the injustice, the brokenness in this world. And can you imagine when Jesus steps into that, he sees all the brokenness that is around him, death, because that's what we, we were dead. Separation from God is death. You might still be walking around, but if you're not with him, you're not in relationship with him, he's life, and if I remove myself from life, I'm dead. And he walks in, can you imagine, it's almost as if he's walking around, and what was supposed to be a planet full of life is now a giant-sized, a planet-sized morgue, and he has to deal with that. And I love that we're going to read a little bit further on in Hebrews 12 when it speaks about for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. And we're going to learn why he endured that cross and why we need the joy in order for us to be able to endure this life because this life is hard. It's not a cakewalk. And joy, giving my point away, is the secret of how we make it through this life. And Jesus Christ being joy means that you cannot make it through this life without him. This life is already hard enough as it is. Can you imagine having to enjoy it all by yourself? And here comes Jesus Christ and says, I will be that joy. The way that we live is, I see him. He's amazing. This is not amazing, but he is good. And that's how I keep moving. But sometimes that's all you get. Sometimes you're not happy. Sometimes things don't line up. And the only thing that keeps you going is he is good. He is faithful and I'm gonna take another step toward him. This might not be amazing. And whether we like to admit it or not, all of us have been with, with, with curveballs that we didn't see coming. We've had knockout punches that literally put us on our back. I'll speak from personal experience. Jesus Christ is literally the only thing, he's the only one why I'm able to stand up here. Um, a couple, of years ago, a couple of years ago, I lost a best friend. Um, he was only 24. Um, 
It was an amazing dude. Um, and then one day you get a call that he's, he's gone. You know when somebody says, I am losing my mind? I used to think that was a figure of speech until I had to deal with that, where you literally are going, I want to get off. I want to get off this crazy train of thought, but you can't because you're stuck on it. And it literally took his word going, listen, you knew the walk that your friend walked with me. That means he's home. I've got him. And that stilled the thought. Can I just say that your salvation is not just for you? I'd like to say that maybe it's also for the peace of those that you are going to leave behind one day. That it isn't as hopeless. You see, that's the beauty of Jesus Christ. That joy, he's the joy that, yes, he may be gone, but I will see him again. In fact, David, in this part of, um, of his life, the son that he had with Bathsheba, and I'm so off track with my notes, by the way. <laughs> the son, that, the child that he was supposed to have with Bathsheba after he literally killed the, you know, her husband, that kid died. But I love how David says, listen, he gets up and he washes himself and he eats. And he says something powerful. He says, I cannot, you know, I, he cannot come back to me, but I will go to him. That for me is what salvation does for us. That the people that walk with us in this faith, when we lose them in the here and now, we know that they're not gone, they're not lost, we will see them. You know, we sing a beautiful song called, um, I think it's You're Beautiful, there's a little part that says, when we arrive at eternity's shore, where death is just a memory and tears are no more. That dude that I lost, that best friend, as my kid brother. I always kind of picture him showing up on the shore going, dude, it took you long enough to get you. And that's how God, for instance, is my joy and my hope, how I keep on living this life because he spoke those words into my heart, gave me that beautiful picture. I know it sounds a little bit airy-fairy and it might be a little bit too spiritual for you, but that's how God dealt with our grief as a family. He is our joy. Literally, he is our joy. We had nothing, no happiness. You know. That experience taught me one thing, that I can trust God with people's grief. We always hope that we can say something amazing to bring somebody out of their grief. That moment humbled me to know that, one, I can't say anything that's ever going to touch somebody's grief because it hurts in places that they can't even point to, and only God can reach into that place. And two, God is faithful to deal with their pain. And so now, whenever I'm around somebody who's lost somebody's significance, Sometimes it's okay just to sit and be silent. And it's also good to know that I can pray and that he is faithful to heal them. You want to know how we got over the grief? So one day I'm getting ready for work, right, and I'm putting on my backpack, and I'm just having a moment with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit goes, you know what's going to be funny? Your brother telling you for the rest of eternity that he got to shake Jesus' hand first. You're never going to live that one down. That happened. I laughed, and he lifted that grief. And that's when I knew that he is faithful. That literally, that joy, it's not happiness. Joy is not happiness. And can I say that joy is not for the good times? If I may be bold enough to say that joy is for the hard times. Joy is for the times when you can't drum up yourself and say, I'm going to, you know, get myself happy. I love how the word says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. When you go to him and say, 
Dad, I've got nothing. There's nothing in the tank. And if you don't lift me up, we're over and done with. I don't know. I hope that was for somebody. And I'm so off track. I'm going to try and get my bearings now. Um, but David says, make me and make me willing to obey you. I think David is onto something here. He's saying, listen, Lord, I've just done a terrible thing. This walk, this faith walk that I'm supposed to be walking with you obediently, I realize that I cannot do it in my own strength. Newsflash, if you're a new Christian or you're still trying to will yourself to do this Christian walk in your own strength, can I, can I just burst the bubble for you lovingly? You can't. Not without the Holy Spirit. You can't. I mean, this is David, right, guys? This is like the man after God's own heart, right? That's the title. And it's not the title that he gave himself. You know, like he was writing there, ah, oh, David, hmm, God, the man after God's own heart. That sounds good. I'm going to write that down. The man after God's own heart. God says it over him. And if that wasn't enough, Paul, um, in Romans 7, sorry, Susanda, in 7, um, I love his brutal honesty. Um, it's the fourth slide. Um, he says, oh, what a miserable person that I am. That's the PG version. The other one says, what a wretched man. And I, I know we like live in this age and we think wretched means something else. Yeah, yeah, this one is just like, I'm terrible. I'm not amazing. I am the scum. I'm like the bubble gum under your shoe, irritating and horrible type of person. He says, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Can I just stop there? This is Paul, right? This is the Apostle Paul, that guy. And he's like, my life is dominated by sin and death. But I love verse 25. He goes, I don't know how you read your Bible. You might like read it like, oh, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. No, no, in my head, Paul is like, thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. This guy who wrote the most prolific, like if you ever do yourself a favor, man, just figure out which Gospels Paul wrote and just begin to read through them. I mean, the man's mind is unbelievable. And then he comes and goes, all of that means nothing without Jesus Christ. It's impossible. I can't do this life without, without Jesus. So you see how it is. In my mind... I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Paul acknowledges his inability to live the Christian life in his own strength. He looks to his Savior and Lord to release him from the power of sin. I feel I wrote here and I said, Paul has surrendered his life to Jesus. He is no longer the master of his own life. Paul looks to his master, here's the word, to make him, and in this way, in another word, shape him to live righteously. And I believe this is where the power of the Holy Spirit comes. Remember David said, make me willing to obey you? So it's almost as if David's going, listen, in my own natural power, actually, I'm really unwilling to obey you. And we've all been there with Paul. God, I really want to follow you faithfully. But here I am again. We're making this prayer again. I don't know if you guys have been like that. I'm a little bit hectic on myself. So being a designer, very 
you know, we, we crits, man. We're amazing. We, we don't need people's help to criticize ourselves. We do it ourselves so well. And I, I'm a lot like that. Um, for a while, I, for a very long time, I struggled with my relationship with Jesus because I used to use like a point system. Like if I had quiet time, I was like, right, 50, 50 points. We're good. Like maybe my, my tally was 200 points for the day. But then if I didn't pray during the day, there was like a demerit system, so he'd take points away. So I was always doing the song and dance to, and I'm like, was, was that good, God? Was that good? Do you love me? Do you love me? And I struggled with that for the longest of times. Because I literally was like, what is wrong with you, guy? You're just supposed to read the word and you're just supposed to get it right. You're supposed to get it right, you know? And only to find out that it's only through the Holy Spirit, only through the power of the Holy Spirit, when I literally had to come to a place and say, Lord, I can't do this life without you. Because to be honest, part of that pride was attached to that. Because guess what? If I can do it in my own strength, it's almost as if I can walk into God's throne room and say, did you see that? I'm amazing. Look at all the other Christians. What's wrong with you guys? Because it was. Because I am a performer. I'm an achiever sometimes. I, I grew up with that. You know, in the field that I studied, it was all about top designer, top this. Um, and that's how I treated my Christianity. And maybe that's how some of us treat our Christianity today. It's a thing of, do I measure up? Do I measure up? Trust me, the blood of Jesus is over you. It's been done. It's been done. You're just to literally surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, without you, it's impossible. In fact, without you, it's a frustration. Uh, we did a mission, um, was it two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Um, and one of the... Um, guys on the mission team were speaking to somebody, and the student was like, listen, it's the first time I see Christians look like they enjoy being Christians. Yeah, it was a, a wake-up call for me. Like, for me, I was like, sure, what do we look like? Are we walking around going, and this is the list of things that I can't do, all the fun that I can't have, you know, that, and maybe that's what we're presenting. Because we're so caught up in, I have to perform, I have to perform, I have to measure up. Versus going, no, 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 I live this life not by my own strength, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. For some of us, I think tonight that's going to be a moment. Because I don't know about you, but I used to try and make sure that I cover all my bases so that when God tallies up the marks at the end of the day, I can pass. And guys, believe me, like my, math, my, my Christian score and my math mark, they're best friends. I'm not amazing at math, by the way. That's why I study design. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but with all this talk of joy, can I dare say that we can actually also lose it? We can lose our joy. You know, I love the culture, and people will know what I mean by the culture. When somebody says, oh, don't, oh, child, don't let them steal your joy, you know? You'll get it. If you don't, ask a friend. If they, if they laugh, they get it. Ask them after the service. But the next slide, it's one of the many ways, but I think it's probably the most significant way that we lose our joy. Second Samuel um, chapter 11, verses 1 to 2, and it says, In the spring of the year, when the kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, 
after his midday rest, I'm sloppy. You know when you've had a good lunch, and machis for ochistu. David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. There's a reason why I highlighted, however, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. For me, it perhaps supposes that, is it that David broke habit there? Because it says in this time of the year, they would usually or normally go out to war. And in my notes, um, I wrote here that David didn't keep his practice of going to war, but rather opted to send Joab in his place. When he broke from his habit of going to war, a practice that caused them to rely on God for victories, because in that time, David would pray, and then God would be like, I will hand them over to you, and they would win the battle. He found himself in a place where temptation filled the place once occupied by obedience. I'd like to suppose that when we break away from what I call our habits of righteousness or faithfulness, we leave ourselves open to sin occupying the place meant to be filled by God's presence. I learned something this year that, um, and I'm on this journey of understanding habits, that if you have a goal, if there's no supporting habit, it's just an amazing dream. We have habits for success, but we also have habits for, for failure. Failure doesn't just fall out of the sky. You work towards failure. And I'd like to suppose that in that moment, David was building up to failure. Because let's be honest, if he was at war, he would have never seen her. If he was doing what God had told him to do, he would have never seen Bathsheba. And how many times have you found yourself, you know you should have, but then you're like, yeah, I'll take a skip. And you find yourself in a moment of, oh, if only I had had the word of God. Because whether we like it or not, guys, there is a fight for our hearts. There is a fight for our hearts. I hate to break it to you if you think that the world is all sunshine and rainbows. It is not. There is the kingdom of darkness that is fighting for your heart. There is the kingdom of light that is also waging war for your heart. And the craziest thing, we get to choose. We get to choose. And in that moment, can I be honest, David is kind of like, I'm going to relax. You know that moment when you think, I've got it. You know, I've been doing quiet time now for six months. I'm solid. You know, I don't need to do quiet time this morning. That's when the bus hits you. That's when you get, you get caught out. It's a war, guys. It's not like the devil's like, okay, listen, time out. Chill. It's okay. It's a Wednesday. We all can relax. Tomorrow morning, we can count this thing. No, no, no. It's always a constant fight for our hearts. And in that moment, David left himself open because his habits of righteousness, his habits of faithfulness had been broken. I don't want to dwell too long on that, but I just, I just wanted to show you that it is possible for us to lose our joy because what happens in that moment, we take our eyes off him and we pan down. And that's how we care. Because it says, if we have to be like literal, he was on the roof, which means he had, right? I'm just saying, yeah, I, I just saw that now, by the way, that his eyes were not on God, so he was here. Where's your view right now? Where's your gaze at the moment? What is your heart looking at at the moment? 
Because I promise if it's not God, we're all in trouble. And I always find myself that whenever I'm not concentrated on God, fixated on God, that's the times when I actually fall into stupid sins. Um, So what happens if you find yourself being like David? And I'm not saying literally because David's case was wow. I mean, he took out the guy's wife, um, the guy, the, the lady's husband. You know, how do we get it back? We go back to Psalm 51, in verses one and two. David says, "Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins." Verse 2 says, wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize, I love that, I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. How do we get it back? If I've messed up, if I've tripped up, if I've missed the mark, which that is what sin is, the first thing is that I actually repent. David had to, I love that what it says, for I recognize my rebellion. Because to be walking in any way that is counter to God is rebellion. Because we serve a king. And the king says, we're going that way. And if you're like, no, I'm going that way, that's called rebellion. And I love that. His heart is so torn. He literally says, Lord, this is me. I've, I've, I've done this. And there needs to be a reckoning. There needs to be an acknowledgement of the, that, Lord, I have messed up. Because then that causes the turning around towards him. How do we regain our joy? The second scripture, perhaps, that helps us to get our joy or to shape our minds around how do I get my joy is Hebrews 12. And it's my favorite it's literally my central scripture for this message. And it says, therefore, since we're surrounded with such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Love this. How do we do it? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Remember that word, source, initiates? So he's the source of our faith. He's the joy of our faith, the joy of our salvation. And I love it says, um, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. I love the fact that there's a version that says, for the joy set before him. And when I read it, I read it like this. There was Jesus, there was the cross, and then he saw us saved. And he was like, okay, okay, I will endure this thing because I saw them saved. It's okay, I'm going to carry through. Uh, not my will, Father, but your will. Because the Father was like, I need them back home. And Jesus was like, it's not a cakewalk. You know in the movies, they make it look like it was kind of like, Jesus like, okay, boys, let's go. Whip, whip, whip. I'm going to carry this thing. And Jesus is like, time out. I'm done. You know, let's get them home. No, no, it wasn't. If you read the scriptures, that, that word, those beautiful words that we hear, not my will, but yours, it, it tells me that at some point he was looking at it and going, this is tough. Is there any other way maybe? And he goes, but you know what, Dad? 
not my will, but your will. That he literally endured. He literally looked right past. And perhaps that's what joy does. That this part is not amazing. But he is. And I want to live my life that way. This, there's no guarantee that it's going to be amazing. But he is. I can't guarantee you that you'll never feel pain. You probably most likely will feel pain because we live in a broken world. But he's good. He's faithful. And even that pain, he knows how to meet it, how to even fashion it for good. My pain has become a powerful message to me and everybody else that hears it because I know that he's faithful. I learned, for instance, that, yeah, my salvation is not just for me. It's the hope of salvation. That hope for me is the hope that when people, when we leave them, they go, listen, it's okay, we'll see them again. That literally when we arrive at eternity's shore, I believe there'll be a welcoming party. Everybody that made it home, because that's what you do, they go home, they make it home. I'll be like, they've been waiting. But you cannot have that without Jesus Christ. It doesn't happen. You can't have that joy. You can't have that hope without him. And may I be brave enough tonight to say that if you don't know Jesus, you may think you have experienced joy. But I hate to break it to you. I don't think so. If you don't know the source, how can you say that you've known the product or that thing that flows from him? And I want to invite you tonight. If you don't know him, tonight's a very good night to know him. To start a life tomorrow, literally going. There's an old song. I told you I'm a little bit old. Um, it's a golden oldie. It's a hymn that goes, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. You know, there's a part where it says, um, and life is worth the living just because he lives. There's a reason why he lives, by the way, guys. We serve a living God. One that beat death. Death is not final for us anymore. There was a time when death was the final word over us, but now it's not. We literally look at it and we almost like we smile. We laugh at the grave because we know, hey, I'm going home. And I know that sounds like insanity. In fact, in logical terms, it is insanity. But I love the fact that he turns the world's wisdom on its head. And he literally traversed that thing that looked impossible to overcome. He overcame the grave. And if you don't have that hope, if you don't know that, if you don't live in the reality of the fact that if tonight anything happens to me, yo, I'm home. Like there are moments when I actually get a little bit jealous of my younger brother and I go, I wish I could just like, you know, like a little plug into his eyes and see what he's seeing right now. The beauty of heaven. I wish I could just like, just a little bit, just like God switched the cables around, like plug in, I'm like, what? And then get back here. I'm a little bit jealous. But I can't, and it's, it's I don't know, if it, do you get wholly jealous? I don't know, I don't know. But I envy him in the most beautiful way. Because I'm, in my mind, in my heart, what I've seen and experienced of the Lord is literally tiny voices we only see in part. Can you imagine, full, like, it's, it's like getting the pro version of whatever you've got right now. You get, like, the little light package, and you get, like, the full-blown thing, you know, unfiltered. And he's just, like, seeing Jesus, seeing Jesus, seeing Jesus all the time. And there's no ways you can't, you can't envy that. But 
you can't have that without him. And can I be honest, if you are going to start your journey tonight with him, it's not going to be a cakewalk. It's not going to be, this is not an exam. This is life. It's a race. There's moments when you're running and you stumble a little bit. But you know what? The beauty of it is we don't run alone. We've got family. That when I stumble, there'll be days when Rico kind of goes, hey, listen, dude, you're messing up. Get up. We need to keep moving. There are no Rambo Christians in the faith. Don't walk in there with a machine gun and think, I'm going to handle all of this by myself. No, you'll get taken out. But we do have family. And for some of you, it might not just be about salvation, but it's about finding community. What still blows my mind is that in the most connected age ever that humankind has ever existed in, we're all a little lonely. We're all a little lonely. But I know, for instance, there's this crazy guy over here that I can call at any moment and go, things are not amazing. Don't be fooled by this, that standing up front here, looking all together. Half the time, I'm a mess. But because of brothers like Rico and Sasanda at the back, this is able to do this tonight. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, literally linking them to me. And that's on offer tonight. It's yours freely to accept and to receive. Yours is to literally have a David moment and go, Lord, I definitely recognize my rebellion. And yeah, sure, it doesn't sound fair. Hey, listen, I got born and I'm a sinner. What? I know. But it is what it is. But Jesus Christ stands tonight and says, listen, behold, I knock at the door of your heart. And I love that he knocks. He doesn't barge in. He knocks. Isn't it crazy? He died. It's almost like literally I'm going to go out on a limb and hope that you take that which I am offering. Why would an almighty God make himself that vulnerable? Because it's love. If you've ever seen somebody that's really in love, you look at them and you go, they are really speaking the truth when they say love is blind. Because you go out of your way, you give everything, you put the last bit of petrol in the tank just to go and see them for five minutes. And then you sit there and you're eating noodles for the rest of the month and you go, but it was worth it. It was so worth it. How much more when the king of glory himself looked past the cross. I know we watch movies and he's got like a little luppy on. There was no luppy. He was naked on that cross. It was the most shameful way for anybody to die, to hang. Cursed is the man that hangs on a tree. And he took that for us. He didn't have to, honestly. He didn't have to, but he did. Because he looked beyond the cross and he said, they're coming home worth it. They're going to be forgiven and restored to their father worth it. They're going to be made whole and restored that they don't need to um, plaster themselves with all kinds of things to make themselves feel whole and, and, and together again worth it. And tonight, that, that stands before you not going to make like this big thing when you have to hoo-ha and whatever. I'm just going to literally say, if you want to meet him tonight, just raise your hand and come to the front. I know it's a bold statement, but remember, love died on a hill. And you can meet him tonight. It's not difficult, but I promise you it's life-changing. It's life-changing. I got saved, by the way, whilst clubbing with friends, right? How crazy is that? Jesus walked into the club. Well, not like literally. That would have been interesting. 
but he literally spoke into my heart and he said, listen, this life is not for you. And what it taught me is that he has a life, he has, I love the message, it says he has designs upon your life. There's a king of glory who says, listen, I've got a plan for your life and it is beautiful. Whatever you have, I can, I can top that. And you're like, how can you top that? He says, well, first and foremost, eternal life, eternal hope, eternal joy. It might not make sense, it might be painful, but I'm going to be there. Even when everybody else should mother and father forsake me, he won't. And that's what's on the market tonight. So I'm going to close now. Uh, I promise I'm going to try and keep it short and sweet like myself. That is true. Oh, by the way, I don't have it all together. Like, you don't get happier because you've got it all together. <laughs> and you flash. It's a little bit like love, isn't it? You don't know what you're getting with that person, do you? You kind of see a person, you're like, hey, random human, I'm going to pick you, and we're going to figure it out. Oh, you're actually kind of cool. Oh, no, you're not really amazing. But on a far grander scale, because you don't, you, you don't have to doubt his goodness towards you. But you will have questions. In fact, I'd be a little bit worried if you didn't have questions. For me, salvation became real. Jesus became real when I asked questions. So tonight, you have a chance to meet him um, and ask a ton of questions. If I don't know, I'll deflect you to Rico. <laughs> or everybody else that's in the room. Trust me, we're all here. Um, but yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us. And if you want to meet him, Come through to the front. There's a ton of us who'd love to welcome you home. Um, nothing spooky. We're just going to pray a prayer of salvation, acknowledging your sin, our sin, together, by the way. We're going to pray it all together with you. Um, and we're going to clap like crazy because we've, we've seen somebody come home. And if you think our clapping is crazy, heaven has, it's, it's dare I say it, lit right now when somebody comes home. So I'm going to pray for us, and if you want to come home, Rise to your feet, come to the front, and we'll pray with you. Just bow our heads. Father, we want to thank you for your goodness that literally love bled on a hill. We want to thank you that, Lord Jesus Christ, you stepped down into the mess that is our lives and you began to pick up the pieces, pieces that have been, yeah, Lord, we got hit by life. Life hits really hard. But we thank you that we've got a God who's stronger. Literally, we sing songs, our God is greater. Our God is stronger and higher than any other. And tonight, Father, I pray that we would once again look into your strength, look into your greatness, look into your everlasting love, love that is relentless, how it chases us down, Father. You won't relent. You won't relent, Lord, until you have us home. You're an almighty God. You've got angels worshiping you 24-7 for all eternity. But you still run after these human beings. Thank you for loving us. I thank you that your love is perfect, Father, because we're not. It literally just covers all the gunk, all the mess that is us. 
and shapes us into the beautiful picture that you had in mind for us. I love the fact that, Father, you, had, you have plans over our lives, Father. And all we have to do is accept you as Lord and Savior. To say, Lord, I'm curious. I want to know what you have in store for me. Father, I want to thank you for every heart tonight that is here. Thank you for reminding us, Father, that we're loved and that your joy is essential. It's a non-negotiable for us. It's how we make it through this life, Lord. It's how we make it through this life without losing our minds, without throwing in the towel to say, yes, it's hard, but he is good and his love is perfect. That I'm not able, but he is able. That I'm not strong, but he is almighty. And I'm carried by him in his hands forever. So, Father, we thank you. And we bless your name for sending us your son. We thank you for bringing us to life, Lord. And walking us through this life. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here, that you're speaking to us. That we can trust you, that things that you're whispering into our hearts, the, the prodding, the, just that, that pulling towards yourself. Holy Spirit, help us to be obedient. Give us the courage to answer the call. Whatever it may be, Lord. Be it salvation, be it a call to trust you, be it a, an invitation. Psalm 27, the psalmist writes and says, Lord, I have heard you calling me. And my heart says, Lord, I'm coming. And you say, come, let us speak. And my heart cries, Lord, I am coming. And Father, tonight we're saying, Lord, we, as scared as we are, as unsure as we are, we know that you're the one that we can trust with our hearts. So we come, Lord Jesus, to meet you, to be loved by you, to be guided by you in this world that is uncertain at times. To know that you will be with us and you are for us and that you are good. That you're a good father, that you are close, you're not afar off, you're not angry with us. In fact, Father, you're welcoming us home. Your arms are open wide, ready to receive us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us. And we bless you forever and ever. Glory to you. If you've got business, if you want to have a moment with God or just the team is going to be up here, um, I would implore you to just to spend a couple more minutes just sit and do business with God. Let him in. He knows what to do. Amen. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.